What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. Last episode of the year. It's wild. I can't believe we've been running this show for almost two years. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate all of your support. We figured no one's going to be listening to marketing podcasts after the start of this week. So let's just cut it off. We're going to be back on the other side. What I wanted to do was bring Jonathan on the podcast to talk about some reflections from this past year. What are some challenges? What are some wins? What are some things he's thinking about as we head into next year? Check out this conversation. I had fun doing it. We are still running that discount code. If you want to use it as a modern day marketer listener, you can go to the juicehq.com. Promo code is modern and you'll receive 35% off our content distribution packages for the next six months. Hopefully you are all closing out the year strong. We'll talk to you soon. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the final episode of Modern Day Marketer this year. We wouldn't dare drop one the Friday before the holidays, and we know no one's paying attention in the next couple of weeks. So we felt like, hey, let's just uh, treat this episode as a uh, sign off, maybe talk about a little bit about just some of the things that were happening over here and treat this episode as a little bit of a reflection piece. So I asked Jonathan to join me to talk through some things. And uh, I have no idea where this conversation is going to go, but that's what makes doing this podcast fun sometimes. Jonathan, welcome into the air. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I think you and I were talking right before we started. Uh, some of the topics we discussed are going to be, uh, it's going to be year in review, but with the heavy diagnosis or a heavy influence of recency bias. Uh, so it's going to be a uh, year in review of the last three months, I would say um, will be good, but no, excited for this conversation. We're on the February fiscal year, as I know a lot of tech and SaaS companies are. So it's kind of a cool like uh, holidays. It, truly, I hope the team is able to take a break and not feel like it's also our end of fiscal year, take a break, come back, and then we'll have a really, you know, hopefully exciting and intense in a good way, January to wrap our fiscal year. Um, and then we'll be off and running into our new fiscal year, but tis the season for reflection. So excited to do that today with you. And I know one of our core values is certainly celebrating wins. And I feel like we do a pretty good job of that. But if you were to ask me in March or February or April or May, or maybe even June, like, give me your top five wins, I would have absolutely no idea where to start. And I don't know if this is just the nature of being a small business that is very ambitious and feels like we're pushing a boulder up a mountain some of these times, but it just, it never feels enough. Now, is that good for us as human beings? Is that good for us as, you know, marketers, salespeople, engineers, if we're, if we can't even remember like the good, the good things that had happened six months ago. I think people who join startups uh, or high growth environments are just naturally ambitious. And I think we're always wondering what is enough. And I think probably over the last two or three years, I guess, with kind of COVID and the world shifting right uh, beneath us, I think a lot of people are, are probably reflecting more and more on that. And I think the wins, you're right, they, they come. And that's why I we've made celebrating wins part of our core value, because I think it's so easy for ambitious people to just immediately go on to the, the next thing. Oh, we accomplished that. What's the next milestone? What's the next milestone? I, I've been at, in cultures and at businesses like that, where 
it's just always, man, you, enough is never enough. And you don't build the habit of celebrating wins and it, it kind of gets away from you. So you mentioned we do a pretty good job. I actually think we could do a better job. Um, so that's something that uh, is top of mind for me as we head into the next year. And I think we can always find wins to celebrate. All right. So we have the disclaimer on the recency bias. So um, we're all going to have to deal with that in some of these responses. But if as we're thinking about biggest wins for this year, um, what comes top of mind for you? Kind of everything. You, you know, like I maybe a cop-out answer here, but I think at the stage and size that we are, this year has been really challenging, right? And I, there's a lot of good businesses that uh, weren't able to withstand some of those challenges. I think the fact that we were resilient and faced some of those challenges head on and figured out how to grow. You know, we've more than tripled since the start of the year on both sides of our business in terms of ARR and audience acquisition, probably actually even 4X on both of those. So we've, we've just faced adversity head on. I think that's something our team is really good at. We don't shy away from difficult conversations, but I think conversations and difficult environments, right? Like this, this year has been tough all across the, the uh, tech space, the, the broader economic space. And we face those challenges head on and we had some failures along the way. Q3 for us, peak behind the scenes was really, really difficult. And now Q4 is probably going to be our best quarter ever. So uh, I think it's just the teams like resilience and growth combined. Uh, the fact that we've been resilient and grown at the same time is something uh, I'm really proud of. And I think the entire team should be really proud of. And I think all of the businesses, all of the individuals going through those same things, it's a little bit of survival of the fittest, right? I think the businesses that come out on the other side of this year and uh, this climate that's probably going to extend into next year will be uh, really strong because of it and be set up for a lot of success on the other side. So one of the things that I'll call out just in the win, win category, and this is more ambiguous in a way, is the fact that I feel like our team, regardless of function, is working. I'm not going to say synergy because we don't use that word on this podcast, but is working more closely than ever before. Like my work impacts someone else's work and someone else's work impacts mine. And I don't know, I've never really been, I've worked in a lot of small scale businesses and I've, I've worked up with a lot of different types of teams cross-functionally, but I can say I've never really felt uh, the coming of together of a company in a way that has happened this year. And I would say like, you know, it's been a tough year. We've team members have left. We've had t- new team members come in. So I don't know. It's almost just I, the word that comes to my mind is just like grit. Like, although it's been tough, like we, we as a team have kind of decided to put our best foot forward and understand that like in our individual roles, like we, we, it's like, we all realize like no matter what as individuals, we're not going to be able to do this on our own. And so just based on the structure of how we align goals and regular meeting cadence, it just feels like we're kind of moving all as one um, kind of that mighty ducks flying V example, if you will. We get customers and prospects who are surprised or maybe, uh, don't even realize how small of a team and business we are. I think that's partially the product we've built being pretty large and um, scaled. But I think it's a, for me, uh, maybe to use another sports analogy is the sum is greater than its parts. I think like really good teams, right? And that sounds like I don't mean to diminish any of the parts of us as individuals of the team, but I think 
the way we work together, we, because we, we, we've gotten better at goal setting and, and aligning the work that everyone's doing to the same overall company goals that it allows us all to be all of our work to be greater than its individual parts um, in a way that uh, we should all be proud of. So let's talk about challenges. Q3 sucked. <laughs> it was not necessarily a fun time for anyone. And I, I, it, I don't think we can just single out the juice. I, it just everyone, not everyone, but most people, companies like us were feeling similar things. I chalk Q3 and like, it's more like the mental um, recovery of that on the other side is like, you know, this thought process of I'm investing all of my, like my professional life into this right now. And we were, everything was going well. And then all of a sudden it's not going well. And then like, what's going to happen. So I know maybe that's the area that you'll talk a little bit more about, but just talk about just like challenges as the leader that you've faced this year and just what that's meant and kind of done for just the evolution of, of the juice and where we're going. Yeah. Q3 was tough um, from just like, I, I think several things kind of converged at the same time. And I'll, I'll talk about three of them. Um, one was fundraising. We did a small round of fundraising about this time last year, you know, in hindsight, relatively speaking, like cash was easy at that point in time. It was a good time to fundraise and we thought, oh, we'll do a small round. And then eight to 12 months from now, we'll do another small round to just kind of keep incrementally growing the business. And obviously the market changed in a massive way. And so we were trying to fundraise uh, within Q3. We weren't very successful doing that, like a lot of people trying to fundraise. So that was one challenge is just like, you know, being having to conserve runway is never fun. And that leads to, as I think a lot of businesses um, in the tech space specifically, uh, reduction in team members uh, to conserve runway. So we went through that, uh, was super not fun. You know, the message I know you heard and I had to share with some team members is right now there are good businesses and good people who are suffering because of some of the macroeconomic challenges. Um, our goal is to minimize that as much as possible, but the reality was uh, we needed to help some of our team members find opportunities elsewhere. And we did that. And I am proud of the way we handled that. And, you know, a kind of fun anecdote is uh, we do sometimes Thursday, not sometimes uh, Thursday organically has become our day when most people are in the office. And that would oftentimes lead to a Thursday happy hour. And we have former coworkers, former team members who still meet us on those Thursdays occasionally, just because uh, that was kind of something that was blocked into their calendar and something they really enjoyed. So again, I think we handled it the right way. It sucks that we had to do it, but I am proud of the way uh, we handled it. And I'm happy we were able to help those team members find their next opportunities. And the third thing was just churn uh, within the quarter. We sell to marketers. I think when companies start cutting budget, uh, marketing foolishly, I'll say, I think is one of the first places that people look to, to do that. So we had stakeholder turnover. We had customers who turned over their entire marketing team or cut their entire marketing function out of the business. So, you know, there's only so much you can do at that point to fight churn, right? Um, sure. We want to build a product that's sticky. We want to build a product that is insulated from economic challenges. But when you have customers that are cutting your entire function that you serve, there's you're kind of at the mercy of um, those decisions, right? So I think a lot of businesses, and I've talked to a lot of other leaders and founders who sell into marketing or sales or just in the software space, uh, Q3 was a, uh, there's a lot of people who are consider themselves fortunate that the quarter was flat for them in terms of growth, right? And it wasn't negative. So 
the combination of churn fundraising, this is a long answer and maybe it's not, <laughs> this tells you about the founder lifestyle that you can talk for tens of minutes about uh, challenges and for wins. You're like, I don't know. It was everything, but as, uh, as, the, as, as, as the get, as the host of the podcast, it's always encouraging when I don't have to say anything and the, the person on the other end is just going. So I think you're at number two. I think there might be one more left. Uh, yeah, so it was just churn, fundraising, and then team challenges. And they're all intertwined into macroeconomic, I think, growth challenges. But um, those that that was those all came to a head in Q3 and made uh, that time frame really challenging. So uh, I don't like my as as someone who was a part of this and just observing like the most of these things were out like there are undeniable forces that were happening in the industry. And it was just coming down and there was no matter what we did, no matter what new idea, product, marketing, sales, CS, engineer, like it doesn't matter. Like no matter what we would have done during that time, based on the circumstances, these things would have happened. Like, was that something just as a, the leader of the business that you, when you signed up for this, that that was something that you expected or was it just like, oh shit, like this is happening. There's nothing I can do about it. Like I got to figure out how to, like talk about it. Like talk to me a little bit about that, dude. We so I I joined, kind of started thinking about building this business, joined the High Alpha Venture Studio in July of 2020. I was like middle of COVID, and I'm like, oh, we just got to get through COVID, and then everything will be great, right? Here we are, still kind of dealing with COVID. Economies in the dumper. Like there's been geopolitical things. There's been wars breaking out. Like you know, you think starting a business is hard enough, and then uh, you layer on all of these elements. I don't want to say, you know, starting a business in 2016 is any easier than it is now. There's always unique challenges, but I think a lot of times it's fun in startup land and founder land to just talk about the exercise of building a business and how hard that is. And then you layer on things like recessions and wars and global pandemics. And you're like, yeah, well, this is fun, right? So there will be a light at the end of the tunnel and then something else will happen and, and we'll deal with it. But if I wanted it easy, I wouldn't have signed up for this. We'll tell the listeners this, not that they care, but it's just kind of a fun uh, nugget. We we share the same dentist and I had my dentist appointment yesterday and our dentist came in and she asked me, she said, how things how things are going for your company? How, how's it going? And I thought about it for a minute before I responded and I said, our heads are slightly above water. And she was like, oh yeah. And and I was like, but that actually is a, a pretty good thing. <laughs> so like try to give the context around us. And then she went into a story about how someone, one of her patients who comes in works at Facebook and they were a team of, they led a team of eight, I think it was. And now it was just that individual. So I don't know, like it really put things in into perspective for me that, you know, it, it's not just us facing this. It's right. kind of everywhere. Exactly. Everybody's fighting something in their own unique way. Let's talk about surprises. Obviously, when you have all this adversity and you've got this, these ups and downs, there are things that pop up that surprise you. What are maybe some of your biggest surprises from this year? It's a great question. Uh, and you sent it to me yesterday. And uh, I try to prep my guests as I have, much as I've I not can. prepared an answer. 
I would say, I, I don't, you know, surprise, and I know one of the topics we're going to talk about learnings is just like, I am constantly pleasantly surprised by our team. And I think it just like goes to show, I've, I've used this line multiple times on this podcast, but hire smart people and just get out of their way, you know, try to, my roles, try to set them up with like the right goals and the right North stars, but then just like let them run. And I just continue to be surprised by the impact that individ- individuals can have when they're really high caliber and uh, they're set up for success. Like just, I need to, I need to do a better job of getting out of the way more regularly. Um, so that, that's been a pleasant surprise. I think maybe one kind of speaking to marketers more broadly, when we started the business, you know, we were, I, I'm maybe going to speak in extremes here briefly, but we were kind of anti-leads, right? Um, and you and I have even talked about like, you know, it's not so much that leads are inherently bad, like that helps marketers grow the businesses they work at, but it's some of the tactics that we put leads or we put individuals through to become leads, right? And I, I still think that's true, but it does feel like with the economic pressures, marketers are almost reverting back into more of a demand gen mindset in a way that, but I think hopefully some of the work that we did as an industry, you know, over the last four or five years about, you know, being better at the sale, the, you know, the, the buyer's process and respecting them as individuals a little bit more, I think can pay off now in a unique way where, all right, demand gen is important, but now we, we're more sensitive to how we do that, hopefully, that it does feel like marketing is almost reverting back into more of a demand gen mindset where I think we had leaned, we were starting to lean maybe away from that more when economic times were good. You mentioned learnings and I want to get into learnings, but I, I want to ask you about learnings maybe from the like customer side. I know you're involved in a lot of customer interactions with Cat. Um, what what is something just that you have learned maybe from our customers this year? Like themes that whether it was about what our product does, whether what about what it might be doing in the future that our customers are really interested in that either you expected it or you, you might not have expected it. A uh, learning for sure is that content marketing is still, I, everyone knows what content marketing is. People don't know how to define success for it consistently. For some companies, it's views, downloads, feel goods, number, like literally like their success for them is the amount of content they publish for some, right? Like they don't even care what that drives. It's just literally like we have this cadence we need to fulfill. For others, it's lead generation, it's influence pipeline, source pipeline, source revenue. And there, there's still just not a lot of consistency in how content is measured as successful. And then I think that leads, that causes confusions for the individuals in the role, right? If it's not well-defined, they then aren't set up for success in measuring the impact of a piece of content that they have produced. They then are forced to count things like success as it was published. How many times did we publish this month, this week, this quarter? Um, so that is a learning and that is something we want to help content marketers with in the future. And I'm really excited about some of the progress we're making there. One other like minor learning that I do think I, I've seen now enough times over that um, I think is worth calling out. I have learned that I think a lot of the people that we would define as really good content marketers or producing content that inspires us, it is heavily influenced by product marketing. I think sometimes product marketing gets this like rep for being like more sales forward or how to use the product. But I think the content marketers who are more closely aligned with either their product explicitly or their product marketing function, I think those are the teams that are producing uh, 
quality content. I just see again and again. No, no doubt about it. Just a couple of comments. So I think being able to answer the question coming down from the top of what's the ROI of our content program is a huge opportunity. Um, it's something that I, through all my conversations that marketers are struggling with constantly. And I think some of the internal conversations we've had, especially since Chris has come on board, really makes me excited about us being able to equip the content marketer to respond to that question, not with vanity or fluff, but with confidence. So I, I think that's super cool. And what was the last one you, the last thing you said? Product marketing and content Product. marketing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's this fusion and this intersection between product, what your product does and the problem it solves and the storytelling that content marketers are really good at. And I agree. So I'm expecting, I know I want to get into more of that. And so more of that, the more of that we see it, it just, it makes your product, it sells your product easier, right? It's it putting your brand and your tone and voice front and center. And it's like, oh yeah, well, our product can help solve this as well. So I think those are some observations that I agree on too. Let's close this out with biggest bets for next year and maybe just some some goals. So what, what are you thinking about right now? Yeah, biggest bet speaks to a little bit of what I was just talking about. Our biggest bet is we are doubling down on how we can help content marketers and or marketing leaders show the value of content to the rest of their team, the rest of their organization. And there are going to be multiple ways we can do that for the people who care most about impressions on their content. We can already help them do that. For the people who care most about the revenue impact, uh, we, we've proven that we can do that now and we're working on building that into product. So I like I just want to, again, it, it's a difficult time for marketers. There's a lot of marketers who unfortunately uh, are having to justify their role or their work right now. And I want, I, like, I want to help them do that. We want to help them do that. Our product can help them do that. And businesses who irrationally, irresponsibly, maybe too quickly cut from marketing are going to suffer, but they don't, they don't know that because they don't know how to measure marketing's current impact. So I just have a ton of energy around uh, helping our customers um, show the value of their work and their content. And um, I'm excited to do that. We've already got some exciting things in the works. I, I honestly think that is a first quarter of next year thing. Like we're going to make a lot of progress and then spend the rest of the year, you know, hopefully proving that out. So I'm just really excited for that. That is both a big bet and a big goal for 2023. Lots of things to think about and work on, but you know what? We're going to forget that for a little bit and enjoy the holiday season. I know you've probably got some Purdue basketball that you're looking forward to watching over the holidays. I know I have a lot on my plate that I want to think about and not think about all of these big problems we're facing. But I want to say thank you to everyone out there who spent a drive, a walk, a just being in the office, listening to what we're talking about and working on on a regular basis. We will be back on the other side of this year with more, but another year in the books. Can you believe it? Love it. Happy holidays, everybody. And thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation also hope you all have a very happy holiday and new year enjoy the time with family and friends we'll be back on the other side you take care of yourself take care of others around you talk to you soon